Hey New Orleans fellas and fans, welcome back. It's Unfiltered Dunks with Chris Dodson. I'm here with one of the, my favorite guys on Twitter, Coach of Contra Costa College. He's the host of the Temple of Hoop podcast. We got Jason Maples in the house. How you doing, sir? Thank you for having me. I'm good, man. How about yourself? Man, I'm enjoying the weather. I am actually drove up to Grandma's, kind of quarantined in an RV. Maybe that's why the video's not working for this and the internet's slow. <laughs> But I had to get the yard work done, you know what I mean? Help Grandma out for the holidays, drop some presents off, pick some stuff up, get back out, and try and get back to New Orleans before they got a home game. That's that's the plan. You. But how's the weather your way? Good, man. It's a little colder, but you know it's California, so we don't get snow. So it's just a little colder, but it's still, the sun's still out, light breeze, but it's just a little chillier than usual. I hear you, I hear you. I still ain't ever been to Cali. I've been to like 46 states in Cali, Maine, Alaska, Hawaii. I got to get out one day. Maybe I get to see you, see you on the sidelines coaching a game once they open this up and we get past the pandemic. Oh man, you welcome. You welcome in the Bay Area, man. It's all I love out here. Well, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. Everybody knows Dodson Forbes Sports. I'm over at Music Movies and Hoops. We just did an NBA thing just to look at the season. But at, when I bring coaches on, like I did with Coach Roy over at Delgado, I want to get a coaches more of an opportunity to explain. Like, how they got into the game? Like, that's one of my first questions for you is, what was, like, your first good memory as a child that got you into it, and then how did that lead to you being a coach? Man, that's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a long story. Um, you know, I grew up just uh, loving basketball, started playing organized around seven, eight years old. Um, you know, it starts as you start out like any other, anything anybody else picks up, just having a love for the activity, love for the game, just playing it as something fun. Um Played in high school for a pretty good program. Uh, played some junior college ball. I was, you know, that's when I started seeing that maybe I can get a full scholarship. Because I was pretty, you know, one of the better players in our conference in junior college. that didn't end up getting a Division two full ride. But then, you know, uh, at that level, when you're a senior, um, a lot of guys have that decision to make. Do you want to uh, pursue some of these uh, overseas uh, opportunities that may be out there for guys that are, you know, we're all conference and looking at a chance to maybe – play at one of the lower overseas levels and get uh, caught up to a, a, a new, more of a larger level for more money or you can kind of look at the other options and um this wasn't into the uh I wanted to use basketball to kind of help out my community that was always my goal when I started playing to the game and then what better way for me to kind of go after I have some success to get my college education paid for to come back and bring it back to my community and coach at the college that I coached for so it was just kind of something that went full circle for me, you know, reach one, teach one. I, I, I am in education anyway, so just coaching is teaching for me, just teaching the game that I love, which is basketball. Man, I'm glad you brought up the international opportunities and the, you know, maybe the the non-D1 level opportunities because there's a lot of kids that they kind of give up if they don't get that D1 thing, but there's a whole lot of life lessons that, that basketball can teach you in junior college and, and maybe getting an international opportunity. We got two guys from New Orleans who I've done stories on, uh, Tyree Griffin and Lamar Peters. You know, he okay. went from New York, and now he, he, he signed with Turkey, and he's playing Euro League. That could get him to jump and actually get him a bigger contract in the NBA. It's just a different route. It's a different, if it's, it's a different way than maybe how you dreamed it, but when you live it, you actually learn a lot more, and you, that, that blessing hits you like that. And that's, that's what I'm hearing from you. You're right. That's exactly what it is. And, and I was like that, too. A lot of, a lot of this stuff comes from uh, just miseducation. Guys thinking that it's Division One or bust, which isn't true at all. 
there's plenty of you know Division two, Division three, NAIA schools that will give you a free education to come play basketball. You know, it's not as glorious as you know the NCAA Division one where you on TV, TV contracts and sponsorships, but you know it is a free education. And if you perform there, there are plenty of uh, avenues to get you guys to get you overseas. Um, there's agencies that will look out for you, that will gather tape and highlights for you and push you out there. There's a bunch of overseas camps in different places in the country you can sign up for to uh, try out and show show that you belong. It's just it's a grind, man. You really have to love the game if there's something that you really want to do. If you don't, if you don't, uh, you know, go Division One. Yeah, if you love if you love the game, you won't let any labels stop you from playing. I, uh, there was a kid up at Adams State. I don't want to throw his name out there because of the story I'm about to tell, but there's a team over in Switzerland, and the the name of the team is Grasshoppers. Grasshoppers FC soccer, basketball. They got a U23 program for for basketball, and he thought it was a joke when he got the letters and the call and little recruitment stuff. But he's a D2 Adams State, and. Well, after he checked it out, that was something he did. He actually wound up playing for Grasshoppers, and now, like, he was 6'10", and could jump out the gym. Guess what that dude's nickname is from now on? Grasshopper. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, it's just, like I said, just, um, hopefully the education on that gets better, because even the, you know, the kids I recruit, uh, some of them I I try to talk to early in the season, they think junior college is a death sentence, you know, and it's it's not, you know, they think your career's over. No, it's not. It's just, you know... It's extra time for you to work on your game and try to get somewhere. That's all it is. It's not. It's not. You know, the end of the line for you. You just got to take a different route to get where you're going. So, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully, you know, like I said, the education on that will get better as as time goes on. Yeah, and it could be a more profitable route because a lot of these D1 kids they chase that D1 scholarship and they still taking out loans to make it make it through because they didn't they didn't get the full ride. They're not the star. They got a partial with some academic. They they might redshirt a year. Now they're not developing. Where if they go to JUCO route they're developing they're playing more they're actually enjoying the game more even though it's not under that d1 label and and yeah a lot of people don't know a lot of people don't know your uh your scholarship is year to year at a division at, at, at any level really it's year to year you got to work to earn and keep it so but it's piggybacking off what you said that's absolutely correct you know you go to a division one it doesn't work out coach may fall out of love with you you may be you know might be rough for you opposed to going somewhere you were going to play and, and get developed so I tell kids, you know, that I run into that don't let anybody in this in this game fool you. Name on the front of the jersey, you know, it matters, but those programs are nothing without talent. That's why those blue blood programs go after the same twenty kids every year because that's the kids that are going to push them over the top. Same talent. It's, just, it's an elite talent pool. Talent will always conquer all. Exactly, exactly. And I try and tell this story because I learned the lesson the hard way. I, I kind of like went over my limit, then blew out my shoulder, lost that one-year scholarship. Now I'm back home with a whole bunch of loans and really didn't, you know, I didn't have that guidance. So I guess my next question to you is how do you give that guidance and what would you tell kids to look for so that they don't get stuck with them coaches that are, you know, they're shuttling coaches, they're not supportive coaches. I kind of divide coaches into those two categories, the ones that will shuttle the kids along for their own good and the ones that will actually support the kid for the, for the kid's own good. Yeah, it's tough, man. Like I said, deciding where you want to go to school after high school for basketball any sports standpoint is, is, is one of the hardest decisions you have to make in your life. So, like, I don't try to influence kids either way. I, I just try to tell them what questions to ask. You know, um, maybe, you know, how many how many kids have you graduated, you know, in the last you know, three, four years? How many kids stayed with you for the whole four years? How many transfers? And it's for stuff like on the court, 
know, how do you guys play? How many returners do you have in my position? You know, just things like that, just that, that aren't that aren't disrespectful, but just enlightening to let you know what you might, you know, be getting yourself into. Like the the facilities and stuff is nice. The you know the equipment, the jersey sponsorship shoes. I mean, all that is nice, but at the end of the day, you are going to have to play basketball, so you have to just you know, you know, kind of like take off the sprinkles and bowls and get inside the box and see what's in there, right? And they're not just the covering. So that's the, that's why I direct kids to look for when they look for a, a school to go to, whether it's that's junior college or if they're you know blessed enough to get before you look out of high school. Same same questions each level. Right. A lot of kids do get wrapped up in the, you know, oh, it's a blue blood school. The name on the right. jersey's nice. But the work on the other side of that, if you go into any gym, I bet you the 10-pound weight in your gym weighs the same amount as the one in Duke. You still got to go in and do the work. Right, right, right. The weights still weigh the same, baby. You still got to do the work. Yeah, I think about that, the, the, I think about that Hoosier scene when they made it to the big gym for the state playoffs. Yeah. They measured, they measured the basket and the free throw line. Because, like, still 10 feet tall, still 15 feet to the free throw line. So that's kind of, that's kind of how it is. Man, we're going to have to get you over at uh, Music, Movies, and Hoops if you're into basketball. That's a new little uh, website I got hooked up with, new outlet. We're trying to bring in a few things. Had a few other college coaches. Uh, I forget he, I forget where uh, Montico's at, but he's over in Oregon. So another West Coast player. Y'all might y'all might have crossed paths somewhere. But uh, just speaking on it, how much is it important that you, you stick together as a basketball community and a coaching community to, to, to keep the network tight and you don't let the bad actors kind of run the asylum and you wind up, you know, with yeah. scandals and kids that can't play and all, all well, those think, sorts of problems. I think just like any other entity, there's going to be good and bad apples, just like that's in any environment, work, school, any job, anywhere, right? There's going to be um, bad apples. The thing about me is just, you know, holding coaches accountable, you know, talking to each other, creating a network, making sure kids are treated fairly like any kid, like just for me, for instance, um, any kid that we send off that's able to get a scholarship after playing for us for two years because I coach junior college ball, and I follow up with the coach, you know, like, how's he doing? Is there anything you need me to talk to him about? You know, how's his academics? And you kind of hold each other accountable that way, you know, and that's that's the best that, you know, all we can do. There's always going to be, you know, these scandals, and just the NCAA itself is not always going to open up, in, in my personal opinion anyway, too, so that's a whole other issue to discuss. So it's rough, man. It's, it, it's tough, but you have to – you know, make sure you're in it for the right reasons. I'm in here, I'm in this field to help kids. I love basketball and I want to help, help kids. And I think if you stick to that, I think then your decisions coming from that, you know, foundation of belief will always be from a place of good faith. Gotcha. Heard that. Yeah, I ain't trying to get you in trouble with none of the NCAA and all that. Because that, that was leading into my next question. The last two questions on the coach and then we'll get to some NBA talk. Uh, one is, what question do you wish a kid would ask you? Some of your best kids, and they, they just don't fail to see it. I'm trying to, again, bring some more of that information out. And then the second part of that is, not saying you're going to leave where you're at now, but at, what, if you had a shot at, say, an NBA job, what's a question you, you don't get from employers and prospective at, uh, you know, colleges that you wish they would ask you so that you could reveal more of yourself, your personal philosophy, how you live life, and why you deserve the, deserve a bigger shot? Oh, that's a great question. I've never been asked that before. Well, um, I just want to say, hold on. So, what was your first question? I got, I got that second. What's the first one again? Uh, the first one was just go flipping it. What's a question you wish the kids would ask oh, you? Oh yeah, I wish. I just I wish more kids would ask 
things related to basketball. And everything is, is about, you know, well, you know, what about the facilities and what about the, you know, getting new jerseys, what about shoes? I wish more kids asked about, well, how do you guys play? Are you up tempo? Are you half court, full court, you press, you trap, man zone, just stuff like that. We can so that way we can, you know, talk about basketball and then get a feel of, you know, it's actually a good fit more so than just to, you know, trinkets and bales of a program instead of the nuts and bolts which make it work. That's uh, you know, what I wish would happen. And that's a great question, man. You know, I've done a couple, you know, interviews and questions I just I wish they would ask. It's just more so about how your team building vision is or just more about relationship building. Because a lot about being things about sports is about relationships and getting people to trust you. There are so many coaches who, you know, understand the game and can, you know, work X's and O's out the wazoo. But can you motivate somebody and get them to trust you enough to give you their all? That is, the, at the end of the day, that's what coaching is. Can you get this, can you get buy-in from 12 to 15 people all moving towards one goal? And I just think um, I would like to have more questions be asked about, you know, philosophy on, on team building and uh, building trust and um, its continuity within an organization. So you would say those, like are, those are your core values? Yeah, I mean, you got to build trust. Me, it might be a little different because I, I've been working with, uh, you know, kids and young adults in my, as far as my coaching is. So a lot of it is about trust, getting kids to buy in and give the, give themselves to something bigger than them. So it might be different in the NBA where there's contracts and, you know, free agency involved and guys understand I have to produce this year. I'm not getting paid. So it's a little different at, at, at each level. But, yeah, but even in the NBA, though, the best organizations, continuity, top down, there's trust. There's camaraderie, there's teamwork. So even then, at that pro level with money involved, that those four principles still uh, still play. Man, that's great to hear from the coach. And again, I, I've seen all sides of it, and you hate to see the bad sides. And I love to see the good side, and I, I like to bring on everybody I can to promote it. You, Coach Roy, y'all been doing big things. I appreciate what you've been doing in the community. Keep at it, keep working. You'll get you a championship somewhere. If nothing else, it'll, it'll be one of them, you know, them life championships. Everybody want to see a ring, but if you if you if you walk proud with it, you know you're a champ. You keep doing that. You keep those core values. You a champ. But moving forward, to the NBA with those core values and getting a team to move forward, X and O's, and maybe not relating that that was something we talked about with Stan Van Gundy when he was coming up. Is he was great right until the practice whistle and he'd start yelling. I think that was on all the Smoke podcast. So what did you think about that hire and where Stan Van Gundy's going to take great. this Pelicans team? Great, great hire. Incredible hire. I, I, lo I love Stan Van Gundy. Um, as you know, I, you know I, I'm a Laker fan, but my favorite player plays for the Pelicans, so I pay them just as much, if not more, attention. <laughs> uh, so I, I love watching the Pelicans. I love the Stan Van Gundy hire. Just, hey, just, you know, I love defense, and he's going to make that team defend regardless. And that is what I, the first thing I loved about it. And then secondly, everywhere he's, go, everywhere he's coached, the team has gotten better at least the first couple of years. Um, so he does, insta, he does instill like core values that are good for building a team, such as defense and accountability. So I'm looking forward to see that, especially with, with Zion and Brandon Ingram. And everything they're saying is saying that those two guys are trying to assert more leadership. So I think it's great for the Pelicans uh, moving forward. Uh, you mentioned, you know, your favorite player plays for the Pelicans. If people aren't familiar with you from Twitter, go ahead and be on record here at the podcast, Unfiltered. Who is your favorite player on the Pelicans? Who you keep defending? 
It's it's Brandon Ingram, baby. 14, 14, 14 ventures. There you go. There you go. I mean, I'm with you. There's no way you can go at Brandon Ingram right now. He's too young, too much potential. If anybody sees a hole in his game, I bet you he can fill it in the offseason. I I see nothing but but bright days ahead for the Pelicans because Brandon Ingram is going to own this team just as much as Zion. And that's my next question. I mean, we've talked about that. Griffin's talked about it. I wrote about it at Forbes. Everybody's talked about how Ingram and B.I., uh, Ingram and Zion, they're going to have the ball. They're going to be handling the ball a lot. And how do you feel about that? How would you maybe move them around and what kind of pieces or set plays would you put them in to get Zion going downhill? Yeah, I mean, just a lot of um, dribble handoff stuff. They did that. They did a lot of that last year, which I think was good. Uh, Stan's kept it a lot of downhill stuff. And I said, I tweeted this the other day. Zion's an underrated ball handler for size. He's got a very uh, incredibly quick first step for size. And he's got a nice, like, uh, one-two dribble combos, like hesitation, and the in-and-out cross. Like, he can get guys off balance. Once he gets going downhill, it's it's great. So the dribble handoff stuff, definitely um, – pick and roll stuff where he's rolling already with a full head of steam, getting him on a short roll where he can make decisions, um, whether it's passing or attacking the rim. Stuff, anything that gets him going downhill and in space, I think is just a plus for the Pelican. All he can do at some point is foul him because he's not going to stop him from finishing. So he's going to shoot a lot of free throws this year, in my opinion. Yeah, and his free throw form looked great. I mean, 10 of 11, you'll take that every night. Yeah, exactly. From him, he shoots 10 out of 11. He's going to average almost 30 points a game. He shoots 90% from the line. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Pelicans going to be in the second round with two All NBA All Star types, and they'll probably be playing your yeah. Lakers. <laughs> you, are you are hot? See, it, it's it's rough for me, and it's not it's not a knock on the Pelicans. It's just the West is so so deep. So you know, I, I have to be honest without being a you know a, a Pelican homer, quote unquote. When I did my you know my predictions, I put them out there this morning. Um, I think they're more of a uh, kind of a playing team. And the reason I say that is like they have they have the talent for a late later playoff seed. They have the talent. I just think it's a matter of the, the continuity, and you have to see if some of the pieces fit. And I think that'll be the question as far as what they go. But I think definitely they're at least fighting for a playing spot, and there'll be a team nobody wants to play in the playoffs because I think they drag whoever they play at six games at least because because of the fact you got to deal with so much. You know, you got Adams and Zion on the front line beating you up. You got Ingram who can go for thirty or forty any night, and you got Lonzo something to deal with right you guys he's josh hart who can play so there's just depth there i just think the experience and their continuity needs to go for them to be in a playoff team but it's possible i'm not saying they're definitely not a playoff team they definitely can fight for one of those spots they'll be in the mix all season in my opinion oh yeah i'll say the same thing and i say that's why we need to temper not only expectations but just be patient because this team will be in a playoff scenario they'll get to play those games that matter at the end of the season but when you mentioned going 10 for 11 and averaging 30, look, if Zion's averaging 30 and Ingram's averaging 25 to 30, the Pelicans ain't going to be in a playing situation. They'll be a top. You're right. I, I, I mean, give, I, will give I mean, that, I will it's give a wrap. Yeah, I'll give you that. that that's that, that's in the, and everybody said, and I read all the all the basketball stuff and as far as the guessing, and everybody said the same thing. It was like this team, you know, if those two guys take, you know, Ingram takes another big leap, Zion makes his second year superstar leap. Then all bets are off with this team. You could see them as high as a you know a five, four, or five seed, right? If they got two superstar players, right? Because that's what that's what it takes in this NBA. Star players win games for you. So depends on the jump they make too. And then, uh, except, but I, I, I whole what I will say is that team is going to be better defensively, 100 percent with Stan Van Gundy, which I think is a, is a perfect foundation to build moving forward, whatever direction they go with this team. 
And see, I'm on record that, yes, the Pelicans are probably just being a playing situation. There are going to be people that say B.I. didn't make a jump, but those are going to be the people that never will look at the defensive end. Exactly, exactly. Ingram will make his jump. It just won't show up at points per game and those kind of stats. And it, that's something I think we're getting a more nuanced look from the fans, and we're, we're kind of pushing that those narratives out. But you're still going to hear them. We know they're going to come. Get prepared for it. But we call on it now. Like, he's going to make a leap in ways that people won't even understand. If, if he defends like he did that Miami preseason game, I've, I've literally never seen him that active defensively. You know, jumping passing lanes, uh, active hands, sliding over, uh, sliding his feet, getting out there to contest shots. I haven't seen that from him in a long, long time. So that, if he defends like that, then the Pelicans will have a shot to be in playoffs for sure. Because if, if your best scorer is going to defend like that, everybody else will fall in line. It's, it's motivating to the rest of the team. And see, my theory is he saw that $158 million contract, said, damn, hold up, if I defend, I get to put a two in front of this instead of a one <laughs> in three years? Oh, Lord, let me get on defense real quick. Let me get on defense right, right, right. real quick. But uh, right. getting off the Pelicans going, you, you mentioned Miami in the preseason, them and the Lakers in the finals. I'm on record thinking Miami's going to fall off. They're not going to make the finals, or even the conference finals this year. And I want to know, one, what you thought about that take but also, with the Lakers' moves, do you think they got better or did they just get more top-heavy? Um, first, starting off with Miami. Um, what I think about Miami is they will be a better team because I think Harrell's going to develop. And I think, you know, Butler's for a couple spoke to me is the best tactical coach in the NBA, just watching him uh, work. But I think about Miami, is the, the, there's six teams in the East who have a legitimate chance to say, hey, we can win this conference. And I think Miami is like probably fifth right now out of those teams. So it won't be a disappointment. It's just that the, the, the top of the NBA is so heavy, and those teams are going to be separated by two or three games. So Miami might end up being a five seed, but they'll be like five games from the number one seed. So people will see the seed and think they fell off, where it was just more of a plateau and the East was just thick. So Miami, will have, they'll be a tough out in the playoffs. Like Spo is not fun to coach against. You saw him in the playoffs. He is a. Uh, just a tactician in every, you know, sense of the word. Didn't have a true superstar player. Still knocked off teams with those guys. So, you know, Miami, I don't think they're a finals team, but I can see them winning around in the playoffs. Yeah, I can see them winning around. And I think I could probably name your top six, but I really hope your seventh team is the Washington Wizards. I'm really high yep, on Washington. It is. Yep, 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 it is. My thing is, for all the stuff I say about Russell Westbrook, and, you know, he's guaranteed a playoffs. But he's on your team, you're going to the playoffs. You know, he, he he's he's that type of player. He's just played with so much energy and motor. He's going to get you to the playoffs. That's been his whole career. Even without KD, like, they were a low seed, but they got to the playoffs. So I think him and Bradley Beal are going to be the highest scoring backcourt in the NBA. So I think, you know, they'll be they'll be right there as a seventh seed. And they I would have them higher, honestly, but the East is so deep. I mean, you got Brooklyn, Philly. Toronto, Miami, Boston. <laughs> it's just it's a lot, man. And in Milwaukee, right? It's a lot. <laughs> Those are six teams who say we wanna we wanna win a championship this year. And that's not natural. You have six teams in the conference who think they can get to the finals. So I think um just I got Washington as that seventh team as you do. So we're the same on there. Yeah, yeah. The East is finally gonna be worth watching. Finally gonna right, be right, worth right. watching. But to yeah, your Lakers. And I said I, I said this last year. I think the top of the East is better than the top of the West. Like the Lakers are the best team, but the next two or three teams that I like in the NBA are in the Eastern Conference as far as just being the best, the best teams. You know, there's a few teams I've taken the East before. You know, the Clippers or Denver, who 
who I think are the second and third best team in the West. So it'll be fun to watch this season. And see, yeah, I'm high on Dallas. I think Dallas is going to be the second best team in the West behind the Lakers. Mm. That's tough. Like I said, and and I I said this before, um, I did my eight. I think Dallas was, I had Dallas at six or seven, but I said this, the games between that separate the two and the seven seed is going to be like three games in the West. You want a three game losing streak, you'll go from the second seed to the seventh seed. That's how I think that type that the West is. So the seeding numbers won't do justice to how tight the, the Western Conference is. It'll be all about matchups in the first round of playoffs. Right. And I don't think, and this is just from sports, right? I know we won't be in the locker rooms, but I don't think it'll be full stadiums for this season. I don't think they're going to get to that point. So home yeah. home court advantage ain't going to matter much. It'll be more about getting ready for the playoffs, keeping your team rested, keeping healthy, that sort of thing. Right. hundred percent agree. I think that's where, and that's exactly what it'll be about. So, so without going through an awards prediction and champions, because sometimes that's that that's just too much. I'd rather want to hear what's your matchups you're looking forward to, like Washington versus almost anybody in the East. I want to see, but especially if Harden gets traded to the East, I want to see Russ get the chew into Harden for a seven game series. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun to watch. Like it's just a couple matches. Like you would love to see. Just like I start out in the West. Like I would love to see Dallas and the Suns. Right. So you got. Uh, the Luca, Aiton kind of dynamic there. You know, they took Aiton over Luca. Luca's been this star. You got the Devin Booker angle, the CP3 angle, right? So that would be fun to watch. Obviously, if we get the battle of LA that we thought we were going to get, I think that, I think that would be a fun six game series. So I just little matchups like that. You would love to see all this matchup about you know Steph and Dame. Did Dame take Steph's title as the best point guard? Seeing them go at it would be fun. Just stuff like that, man. Then you know Philly going to the East, right? Uh, Philly and Milwaukee, like two teams that are, you know, don't play small. They're huge all up and down their lineup, too. We just finally see big teams that don't play small play, fight for a series, right? Um, I also would interested to see, I would like to see a Boston Miami rematch. I thought that was one of the best series in the playoffs I've seen in the last five years. That seven game series, that was amazing to watch. Just seeing the coaches kind of counteract what each other did, go back and forth. Star players have big moments. Uh, I would love to see Miami play um, Boston again. Like that's always going to be fun. It's little matchups like that, man. Like just, it's it's just there's so much young talent in the NBA. I think it's t- the, the talent is at a nearly an all time high. There's so many future perennial all stars, borderline Hall of Famers. It's just really a golden time for the NBA. It is. It is. And the games are about to start. I'm going to give you three quick takes just to get your reaction. I'll let you get out of here again. We got. <laughs> We got Coach Maples from Contra Costa College, Temple of Hoop. He also runs an AAU program, which I forgot to write down because I'm up here in quarantine at Grandma's and ain't did proper work. If you want to shout him out, you can, Coach. But here's my takes. One is this is the last season that teams will be scared of Clay and Curry. So I agree with you. Dame done took Curry. This is also the last season we're going to see Dame and CJ. I agree with I think Steph is still going to be the best point guard in basketball. I think I don't think anybody's scared of me. You know, Clay will be coming off an Achilles injury next season, but I think Steph will. My Steph will remind the NBA he's the best point guard in, in the NBA. That's my hot take to counteract your hot take. And what's your second one again? Uh, the second. Oh, they're gonna get split up. They're gonna get split up because Portland ain't gonna. They they're just not gonna make the finals again this year, even though they've got the run it back team from two years ago. I agree because I think going into the next year, CJ will only have one year left on his deal, and that makes him you know, tradable. 
because the, the, he's a big contract, so teams would be more willing to take on that last year because, you know, if it doesn't work out, they can just get him off the books. So I agree with that. Uh, I think they're, they just need to get a wing, man, a, 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 a wing that can score 20 a game to help game and then defend. That backcourt's too small for a playoff series. Yeah, that that backcourt's just way too small for a playoff series. And here's your third hottest take. Uh, when you were mentioning your top six, you got down and didn't even mention Milwaukee to the last. And my point is that Milwaukee traded away everything. They picked Bledsoe over Brogdon. They did all this. But the one thing they didn't do is get rid of Mike B. Because you got Spolster. You got Stevens. When you was mentioning all that about the hard coaching in the series and the matchups, Mike B's always a little late. That's why Atlanta never got over the hump against LeBron. That's why Milwaukee fell short again this year. He doesn't make the adjustments. That's the next person that's going to have to go in Milwaukee for them to keep to keep it. I'm, that, that's where I'm at with it. Well, here's why I am with Bud. Bud is from that Doc Rivers coaching tree, where it's like we're going to do what we're going to do, and if, uh, it's just going to work because we're going to be great at it. And it's worked for Doc one year in Boston because they were had so many vets, and they had a young Rondo, and it was great. But when you have the teams where it's evenly, the talent is even, or they have a superstar player on the other team, uh, you have to be willing to adjust what you do. And I think Bud is kind of like that, that from that Doc Rivers where we just we got to execute what we do. And I think at some point it's going to come down to Giannis just having to be able to just get a bucket. I think having Drew Holiday will help them when they when they see that quote unquote wall that teams have built for Giannis in the playoffs. But I actually have I have. Um, Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals against Philly, and I have it going seven games. So Milwaukee could very well end up in the I have Philly in the finals, but Milwaukee could definitely win that series. And I think this is the year they go furthest with Bud. So I agree with you, but I'm thinking I say this is the year that Giannis takes a stand. I think Drew Holiday helps him out a lot to get to at least to the Conference Finals. But what you said could possibly happen. They could flame out again, and then you got to get rid of Mike B. I think it's finals or bust, and Mike B's gone. That that that's I, just. I, that's my top that's three hot takes to start the season. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That should absolutely be. They, he's got the back-to-back MVP. They traded everything for a, a star guard in his prime, Drew Holiday. You got Middleton. It, it's it's really it's on it's on Mike B and then Giannis to get it done. Well, there it is. I appreciate you coming on, guys. This has been unfiltered dunks. We got some NBA games about to start. This podcast will be up in the next. A little bit, hopefully, before the Pelicans play tomorrow. I'm predicting a win. We're hoping it's a win. This podcast has been a win because, Coach Maples, you, you brought the fire, man. I appreciate you coming on. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate, appreciate you having me on. I got to say, man, I love your accent. I spent a couple years in the South, so I don't hear the accent the same as I used to anymore. But I appreciate it. I love hearing that, man. I love it. Man, I get I get this all the time. It's either hit or miss. It's either hit or miss. But you love it, like hate it. it. It's just like it's on Twitter. Love us or hate us, baby. <laughs> Got it. All right. Well, hey, it's been Unfiltered Dunks. Protect your nest, guys. Enjoy. Stay safe. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas and all that. Peace and love. Thanks again, Coach. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. The audio went great. I'm about to figure out video.